Hello, and welcome to episode 173 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Butler, and I'm joined today with Pete DeMeo. Hey, everybody. Welcome to 2021. And Philip Forriska. Happy New Year, honorary fooligans. And Melissa, what did I call you earlier? Melissa? Caviar. No, uh, caviar, I think I called you. Oh, by accident. <laughs> so Melissa Fish Eggs is here with us today. How are you, Melissa Fish Eggs? <laughs> Howdy ho. So Melissa, this is another one of your awesome, amazing episodes. We're going to be looking at some more travel study data, going through it, fueling style. And uh, we're, we're excited. Are you excited? I'm excited. Are you going to throw some caveats in there? Because that is your MO. I am definitely throwing in a few caveats in this one. Awesome. So this this study we did, uh, this was we surveyed, put the survey out right before Christmas, so right at the end of December. And uh, the previous one to that we did was before, way before Thanksgiving, wasn't it? So it, it's um, yeah, it's been a little while. Some things have shifted, and if you're looking to plan for 2021 and wonder how the vaccines are going to imp- impact leisure travel plans, then stay tuned because that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's very exciting. Uh, before we get into that, though, ladies and gentlemen, let's see what's going on in the news of ruse. All right. Hey, before I kick this off, I have a an embarrassing story to tell everybody. <laughs> I was hoping you oh. would share. <laughs> so I went to the, our local sushi place to do some food pickup, and I saw Alex, one of our awesome clients there, and she decided it would be a good idea to have me sing the News Roo song at the restaurant, <laughs> at the bar waiting to pick up my food. So so obviously I, I belted out an amazing live version of the jingle. And one of her friends said it was the first live music performance that she's seen all year and she appreciated it. See, Pete, you've got to spin that that story a little better, right? Rather than kind of saying it was Alex who knows us, she's a friend of the show, obviously, and and um, we, she works. With, we work with her business as well, which is Condo World. But you should have just pretended it was some random listener that we didn't know that recognized you in the street. That you're that famous for singing the jingle that that just random well, people were stopping you in well, the street to, and asking you to, to sing. To be fair. To be fair, when I typically go into a restaurant, I just sing it as loud as I can anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she just happened to be there and recognize it. Yeah. So that that was the first time you've ever done that live in public. So how did it feel? It is. It is. It was, it was pretty awesome. It, it reminded me that we really do need to get the uh, the Fuel Roadshow going and, and yeah. bring this to, uh, to cities across the globe. And, and the Fuel CD will be out for next Christmas. Yeah, we're working on the Christmas one right now. Yeah. But you know, I want to know what's actually in the news, other than my singing prowess. Well, well, first we want to hear the jingle. Ah, with hotel marketing that cannot lose. Now it's time for your news a ruse. <laughs> I wish I'd seen that in a sushi restaurant. I mean, that would have been way better. Exactly. So it, it well, wasn't. Did, let just me ask you this before you jump in: Did did other people, other patrons of the restaurant, did they pay attention to it? I don't think so, but. Uh, it seemed Dude, like they did. Come on, make you know, it up. When I'm make seeing it, it I, I feel like everyone was looking at me. It was embarrassing. Oh, everyone was definitely looking at you. There's yeah. no question about that. 
Anyway, but that's not the exciting part of the news. You know what the exciting part is? Go for it. It's a Hotel News Now article that talks about how hotels are prepping to ramp up for the post-COVID travel world. And it's a really interesting. It's more of an opinion piece than anything else. But it was published on January 7th. And it really talks about how hoteliers are facing a pretty interesting challenge now that we're going to be opening back up and being able to welcome guests again in 2021. And one of the examples that the the author uses is that in D.C., you, you may have two or three new hotels opening a year. But in Washington, D.C., this year, there's 147 hotels and over 34,000 plus guest rooms that are going to be coming on the market again. And that creates a very interesting dilemma for hoteliers because now every new hotel is going to be a new experience. Your guest history is incredibly important, but you're at the fight a little bit harder to to keep those guests coming back if they haven't been to your property in a while. And also, you're kind of looking at it, it does talk about the different amenities that guests are interested in from, from outdoor dining spaces to you know, individual areas to, to cleanliness and all the things that I think we've talked about on the podcast multiple times are going to be very important as we head into this post-COVID world that we're in. So or hopefully we're going to be. To, uh, having to be a, a hunter. Absolutely. Yeah, if, if only we'd done a, a podcast episode on that very subject about being more aggressive and becoming a hunter rather than, than a gatherer. That would have been amazing. Wouldn't it? Oh, wait, With an amazing it. photo in it? <laughs> it's probably <laughs> the best Photoshop job that Pete's ever done, to be honest. Um, but yeah, this is interesting, the story. I mean, I think it's it's kind of in line with my thinking, right? There's We're sitting here in January 2021. And although there's a ton of uncertainty you know, about how long this, this next phase is going to last, at, at the end of the day, there is light at the end of the tunnel now. We, we do see an end in sight. And so we're, we're certainly at the end of the first phase of coronavirus and at the beginning of a, a new phase where we can have a little more hope. But we also need to be very mindful of the situation we're in. And, you know, there's 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 a spectrum of properties. There, there are properties that prospered fairly well last year because they're the type of property or the destination. They're, they're ones that are went out of business and they're ones that hung on by the skin of their teeth. And there's, there's folks every every bit in between all of those. So the, the thing is you need to be prepared for what the next few months hold and it may be more than a few months it might be you know six to nine months of the vaccine rollout but at the end of that we are likely to see a tremendous demand for travel but at the same time we're also likely to see tremendous competition for those travelers and and we don't know which is going to outpace which whether the supply of the demand is going to outpace so this is the, this is a year that you're going to have to be equally as agile as you were in 2020. You have to be equally as prepared and equally as informed. So you've really got to lay down the groundwork now to make sure you have the stamina to get through it. Because although I think there's a lot of optimism there, it's it's going to be a year where we all have to roll up our sleeves and really do a lot of hard work to make sure we survive and thrive with the reality well, that we're living in. I think the people who responded in this article listen to our podcast they're they're mentioning a lot of the stuff we've talked about all year long 
Uh, so if you're a, a podcast listener of ours and have been for a while, you've heard all this stuff. But there are some there's some pretty good you know, operational things that that you can do on your property uh, to to help this ramp up. I mean, I'm just looking at it. We see things like cross training staff and offering single serve breakfast for for properties that used to have you know the breakfast buffet as an option. Things that we we've, we've talked about all year, um, but yeah, operationally and and from a marketing perspective, from a communication perspective, um, it's going to be very much like you know the middle of 2020 when with how how quickly you're going to have to change and 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 adapt to this new world. Yeah, agility is the one core common thread through, through that I've seen throughout this situation for every type of business in the hospitality industry and not um, on the vendor side and on the hotel side. If you've been agile and, and willing to pay attention to what's going on around you and willing to adapt to the, the scenario that you're living in and accept the scenario you're living in, then you, you've done okay. Right? You've done the best you can. The, the folks that are either in denial or slow to respond, those are the folks that have really struggled and will continue to struggle. And, and this year is going to be exactly the same. We don't fully know. We don't have a crystal ball of how it's going to pan out. We kind of have a better idea now than we did six months ago. But there's so many variables at play. There's so many unknowns that we've, we've just got to be ready and paying attention and listening to shows like this, following data, collecting our own data, talking to our guests, most importantly, because they will be your biggest indicator of, of the prevailing winds you know, on the phone and, and in, on property. Uh, that, that's going to be what sees you through it, really really keeping an ear to the ground and being ready to, to pivot every time you need to. Yeah, I think there, there's one more thing that I think a lot of people haven't started thinking about yet. You have to be obviously very agile. You have to adapt. But one thing I think we're going to have to really watch out for is you're going to have to staff up at some point. And when you decide to staff up and being able to staff up, I think is going to be a very important metric in gauging that success because we've all been running on skeleton crews right now from housekeeping to operations to maintenance and everything else. And, you know, the great case of, of DC, you have 147 hotels theoretically coming back online. There's going to be a hiring frenzy to get the great people in your property. So, you know, be thinking about that now of what is your, you know, restaffing strategy and having that at least written down and in place so that when it is time, you're able to take advantage of it as quickly as possible. Yeah, and on the flip side of that too, from a marketing perspective, you've you got to think of this as like a reopening. You know, it's it's not like you can wait until the demand is there and then flip on your switch and everything just starts humming. You you got to build up. You've got to start. You know, if you're a property that shut down six months ago and hasn't been open since and is looking at opening in the next few months, you should be absolutely talking to your consumer right now. You should be priming the pumps. It's it's just like if, if you're going to open a new property, right, you, you would hire salespeople um, and you would start marketing before you do a lot of other stuff because you've got to fill the pipeline. And I've heard tremendous um, stories of success and failure related to who you staff and when. Like if you look at the group side, for example, right, people, although groups are not going to come back probably in a strong manner in until at least Q3 or 4 of 2021, people are booking that now. So if you haven't already staffed up on the group sales side, you're probably missing a lot of opportunity. And and there are people that have been doing record months for bookings because every, think about it, every organization, every group that relies on that revenue 
um, for their survival hasn't had it for the last 12 months. So they need to get in their, their next annual meeting as soon as they think they can. So they, these people, there's a crunch of demand for groups you know, at the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022. So you've got to have the staff ready and able to fulfill that demand because mm-hmm. you're going to need to have it when, when you open the doors. And there's a, there's a crunch for demand of leisure travel too. And we know when people are going to be booking and what months they're going to be booking for. So stay tuned. Wow. Foreshadow. Good <laughs> job, man. All right. So yeah, let's, let's move on from the news news. I think we beat that one to death a good bit, but um, this, this episode is essentially one big stats of the week. So do, do we want to, do we want to uh, unveil the new, Beep boop sound for that because we lost the old one. It got pulled down from YouTube. <laughs> it sounds like the first 10 seconds sounds exactly, or three seconds sounds exactly like the old one, but then it keeps going and going and going. I feel like we need to make our own own uh, version of that so it never disappears. I, I, don't know. I think for this episode it might be appropriate because the whole episode is a stat of the week. We need an extra long bee boop. There you go. Good there point. You. Makes sense. Ever the optimist, Melissa. That's me. <laughs> if you've ever met me, I'm surely the optimist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, sunshine, Melissa, that's what we all call you. <sighs> so you want to set the stage a little bit, Melissa, talk to us about this survey, how many folks responded and whatnot, and then we'll jump into the questions. This is uh, volume number seven of what? our consumer. Uh, yeah. No. I'm I sorry. Volume... What did I just say? You said seven. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. I need more coffee. Um, yeah, this is number 11 of our sentiment study. We got over 2,000 responses on this round. We had taken a break because our database was a bit fatigued last time we sent it out in September. So we just gave people a break and waited for some things to change and certainly things have changed since then. So we figured let's try and put the band back together again. So that's what we're doing. And so uh, we've got, like I said, 2,000 responses and we asked a whole bunch of questions about how a vaccine will potentially impact people's feelings about travel in the leisure segment. Yeah. So we're to, excited. So do keep that in mind. Like the caveat to this, Melissa, is that it, it is North American travelers. It is folks that, uh, you know, they, they tend to go on beach type vacations. That's the, just the kind of d- a database that we have. So keep it in mind. But I think it's a large enough sample size, over 2,000 people that we can extrapolate beyond just that type of consumer as well. Yeah. So shall we get into it? Let's go. All right. We're starting with number one. This is our favorite little word cloud that we've asked on every round of our oh, survey. Oh, oh sorry. Oh. Can, we, can we just say if people want to follow this along with the show, if they want to look at it as well, you can go to fueltravel.com slash podcast and click, click on episode 173. And we'll put a link right there to the original post, which has all the pretty graphs that we're going to be trying to explain, in, you know, with our words. So, all right, keep going. Okay. So we're asking people, what's the first word you think about when considering travel right now? And very little has changed in this graph amongst all the times we've asked it. Safety is the big, bold 
giant word right smack in the middle of that cloud. It's been that way since the beginning of time. I feel like it's going to be that way for quite a bit longer. So if you are a betting lady, what point do you feel like that changes? At what point is safety not the number one word? I don't see it for another year. I don't know. I think it's going to be a long time. I mean, I know. Over under on the year? I would say over. I'm going to go over one year that safety becomes the still the number one concern. Really, Pete? Mm, I'm going to go six months to a year. I'm going to go a little bit less. Yeah, I'm probably there. Just 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 because I think with 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 the vaccine coming out and. It looks like, you know, a majority of people are going to get the vaccine. The people who are not going to get the vaccine, I don't think they're the ones who are typing safety to start with. So so my guess is you're going to see that rolling off pretty soon. And it may get replaced with cautious or uncertainty is my guess. You heard it here first. Yeah, I'm probably in line with you, Pete. I think it's probably between six and nine months that we're going to see that number the number one not being safety anymore. But also it's been number one since March, so it's been there for a long time. So when it's over a year, what do I win? Um, well, first you're going to have to remind us, <laughs> and then I'll, I'll buy you a beer in a pub because we'll be able to go to a pub by then. And we'll be concerned about safety while we're there? No, we won't be because no, we won't. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, sorry, Melissa, keep going. On the positive side, though, there, there are some fun words, fun being one of them in this word cloud. Excited is another one. Good is another one. But, you know, there's still a lot of careful, scary, dangerous words, as I literally just said them. So The one, the one that I like, I saw, warm. I think people are just waiting for it to get warm, <laughs> then they're going to travel. I appreciate that. That is some normalcy right there. Yeah, we, we can all appreciate warm coming soon, and, and it is. It's on the horizon. Nope is still my favorite. We'll always be. <laughs> Just nope. <laughs> all right, moving on to number two. <laughs> Have you traveled since the pandemic started? So we're going back to March 15th of 2020. And we had 53% of people saying yes, 47% saying no. And the percentage of people saying yes is unchanged since we asked this in September, which really surprised me. Yeah, I don't know if it surprises me because I feel like you're you're at the point now where you're, I mean, I I guess it does. I guess I would have thought it would go up a little bit, but I didn't expect a big jump because you're either a traveler at this point or you're not, you know, you've kind of made that decision and it hasn't. You know, if you look at the media coverage, the numbers, it certainly hasn't got less risky to travel in the last month or so um, compared to like the summer. So I I get it, right? If you've traveled, you've traveled and you're going to continue to travel. And if you haven't, you're probably still waiting until you feel a little more comfortable. I just thought since this was asked after Thanksgiving, I would have seen a bump in the percentage of people traveling. Yeah, maybe. But I was. That's a scary number to me. Because you, you look at people who have almost for a full year have not traveled, and they've now made that a habit. So of the guests that we used to have, we're going to have to break them of the habit of not traveling, and it's going to it's going to be a challenge. 
I think everyone's going to be eager to get out there. Yeah. Yeah, for some of them. But I think there's a lot of people just are, are, are itching. I think there's this, you know, I hate the word, but the concept of revenge travel. I've been told I, I've got to stay in for so long. And I, I think there's something at a very deep genetic level, like that humans need to travel, right? It, it's it's something that really frees the spirit. And when you've been cooped up, I think especially, and travel for, for different people means different things. I mean, it could be going to Europe. You know, or it could be going to the next town over, but I think people are going to be traveling. Well, Finger hold that thought. Yeah, I was going to say we we know where people want to travel because of our respondents, but you're so, going to have to wait. Just hold that thought. Such a tease today, Phil. Such a tease. <laughs> so, of the people who said yes, they have traveled. How many trips have you taken since the pandemic started? Now, this was a little even more interesting to me because one trip is still most popular, but it was less than 35% of people who traveled only traveled once, meaning nearly 70% have taken at least two trips since the pandemic. 70%. Yeah, it, this is massive, right? So not only have over half the people already traveled, so so we know that traveling is is quote unquote normal now because the majority of people have done it. There's less stigma than there was, although maybe not right at this moment because there's a big um, kind of media frenzy about the current numbers and the the surge, the resurgence we've seen. But majority of people have traveled, and once you've opened that box for someone, and once they realize that responsible travel is safe. They're doing it multiple times. Almost 70% of people have traveled multiple times, meaning they had a good experience. That's going to be our job as hoteliers to, to make sure that everyone that travels feels safe, has a good experience, tells their friends, puts photos on social media of your property and says, hey, I went to XYZ Hotel and I had a good time and it was safe. You can do it too. You have permission to travel. I've already done it. I'm a, I'm a trendsetter. That's, that's the message you need to be working on carving out right now. And looking back at the last survey, we're up 10 percentage points of people who have made multiple trips. We were 56% last time. We're at 66% now. So, which, which That's your Thanksgiving crowd. So when you said earlier that, that people, yeah. you were surprised that number didn't go up, the 53% didn't go up because of Thanksgiving. A lot of people traveled at Thanksgiving. But it was people who had already traveled that were traveling at Thanksgiving. Well, I think that's that's the big point is right now the universe of tra travelers is a lot smaller. And you're going to have to get those people traveling multiple times. But Stuart, to your point, getting them to tell all the people who are sitting on the sidelines, it now is the time. You know, plan your trips, book, get out and, and travel because it's safe. Yep. Yep. All right. Moving on to number about Thanksgiving, we asked flat out, did you travel over the Thanksgiving holiday? And the big answer was hashtag nope. We did not. 82% said no, they didn't travel over Thanksgiving. I wonder how many people, you know, typically travel over Thanksgiving or would consider calling what they do travel. I mean, I know a lot of families live in the same city. Do you consider it travel because you went over to your aunt's house for Thanksgiving? It's the uh, biggest travel day of the year. There's the day before Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken. It, it, it definitely is. It and definitely according is. to Forbes and Statista, it was about 25% of the people who normally travel did travel this year. 
So they had a good infographic that came out uh, toward, toward the end of last year comparing 2020 travel numbers for Thanksgiving to 2019. And day by day, it was 25% or less people traveling this year, or in 2020, should I say, versus 2019. Mm. So data is corroborated. Yeah, and I, I mean, anecdotally too, I mean, I think you would all agree that everyone you spoke to, although some people were getting together with groups, they, they're not nearly as many people that I know were traveling like they normally would or had having people travel to them like they normally would myself included. So, yeah, same. So then looking forward and again, remember this was asked uh, before the Christmas holiday. Uh, we did ask you plan to travel during the upcoming holiday season and same response. Nope. Mm. Over 80% again said no. Yeah, for the same reasons. And and it was probably, I would say, fewer people traveled for, for Christmas than Thanksgiving in America, just because the numbers got kind of silly after Thanksgiving. Yes. So now we're going to get into all the vaccine questions. And there's a lot of them, so buckle up. We've got uh, number six is, do you plan to get a coronavirus vaccination Thankfully, the majority of people have said yes. We're at 64%. I would have liked to have seen that number a little higher, but at least it's a majority. Woohoo! Yeah, and that does pretty much mirror what we see nationwide of, of people who want it and not want it. Yeah, that number's definitely going up. At one point, it was like, you know, 40% of people said they would, and now it's, it's tipped over the 50% mark. I think as people get more comfortable, there's more information. People are getting just a little more open to the concept. And we broke this one out looking at age demographics and income information. Not really surprising from an age perspective. Those under the age of 40 were much less likely to say yes to this question, only 51% versus 65% over the age of 40. So not surprising there. I thought, honestly, what was more interesting was looking at the income, which we broke out into three different brackets. We looked at people making less than 50,000 a year, 50 to 100,000 a year, and those making more than 100,000 a year. And the lower the income, less people said, yes, we were 55% on the lowest income bracket versus 65 in the middle group, and then 71% saying yes in the greater than 100,000 group. Yeah. And that surprised me, honestly. Well, I, I, Maybe it's you know. indicative of how crappy our medical slash insurance situation is here in the United States. Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And, it, you know, there's a socioeconomic thing there. There's an educational thing there. there. There's a lot of things you could point to to, to why that might might happen. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, everyone that's listening to this just needs to do their homework. Right? Don't don't base your opinion of vaccines or anything on one one source of information, right? Vary your sources of information, do your own homework, and rather than formulating opinions, try to look at, follow the, the facts, look at the data, and um, don't just listen to loud voices, and, and, and then make your own decision. But I'm hoping that the industry as a whole can rally behind vaccines if they're safe and responsible, which they seem to be from the research I've done, because Without successful vaccinations, I said this on the last couple of episodes, without successful rollout of vaccinations, 
we don't have recovery in the hospitality industry. We're going to continue to see lockdowns in fear and 50% of consumers are not going to travel and groups and meetings aren't going to happen and business travel is not going to happen. We have to, we have, to have a successful vaccine rollout and a healthy and safe one too. So we need to get behind it. We need to educate ourselves, get our vaccines. And then when we do get our vaccines, when we're able, tell everyone that we're getting it, encourage everyone you know to do the same thing as well. Here, here. All right, the next three questions, so seven, eight, and nine, ask about assuming, you know what we say about assuming, but we're going with it, assuming cases are dropping and vaccines are being distributed, when will you, one, begin planning your next trip, two, be likely to book your next trip, and three, likely to travel for your next trip? So for planning, we had January 2021, which is right now when we're recording this, as the hot button of where people are planning to start planning to start planning. Over 20%. And overall, look just looking at Q1, we're at 45% of people saying that they will be planning their next trip basically now. Well, the next I think part of that part of that comes from the caveat of assuming cases are dropping, vaccines are being distributed, right? Because what that's saying is, all right, as soon as you guys feel safe, which we kind of talked about in number one, or when we start planning a trip, someone said, well, assuming that it's dropping now and we feel safe now, I'll plan right now. I'm ready to go on a vacation. So people are definitely ready to travel. It's when are they actually going to plan? Well, but keep in mind, 50% of people have already traveled and already do feel safe. So those that 50% is probably already planning. And there's probably a, a bunch of the other 50% that haven't traveled that are hedging their bets a little bit and looking for, well, well maybe this thing's going to be over in six or nine months and maybe I'm going to have the vaccine in three months. And if I can get a good deal right now before prices go up because demand goes up and, and maybe it's risk-free because this hotel's offering you know, hassle-free cancellations or changes dates or, you know, making it easy for me. A lot of people are going to start their, their planning in January because that's what people do. You know, that's what they have always done. We, we've always seen, I've been doing this for 20 years, and every year when we look at the data, it's like clockwork. We start seeing website traffic to hotels start to ramp up on December, December 26th. 26th. <laughs> it's not January 1st, it's December nope. 26th. Because people, by nature, need something to look forward to. It is just part of what makes humans happy, right? And once Christmas is over for the majority of people, they need that next big thing to start dreaming about. And for a lot of people, that's their annual vacation. Especially, and especially lower-income families, this is the case, where they really put a large percentage of their income towards this one thing, which is where their kids have the greatest, fondest memories. It's 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 like a center point of their family. It's up there with Christmas for them. And so they start dreaming about that on December 26th. And that's not going to change because of a pandemic. Now, whether they book straight away, we'll talk about that in a second. But people are, some people are beginning to plan. And, and you've got to keep this in mind, too, that even though January might be the number one month, it's still only about 20% of people. So we're saying 80% of people aren't going to start planning in January. But you're missing out on 20% of people if you don't start communicating with these people right away. I've started planning my summer vacation. Yeah. And it's January. So I'm part of that 20%. Yeah. 
and and planning can mean different things to different people, right? It could be it could mean like figuring out your budget. It could be just clicking on Pinterest or Instagram. It could it could mean like doing searches on Expedia. There's different degrees and different lengths of planning. So, but people are looking, and you need to be in front of them. But but planning is that first action step. You know, it's you know, when you're at a, a car dealership and you start nodding your head. You know, you're heading down that direction. You're making a it's just a verbal commitment to yourself that you're going to be traveling because you, oh, nearly half of the people have not gone on a trip in a year at this point. And they're going to start looking. And it's so important that you have those worry-free cancellations or hassle-free, uh, great, not necessarily great discounted deals, but just great value for your stay and pushing that as aggressively as you possibly can because everybody in the world is coming out of this at roughly the same time and we need to make sure that we're there to harvest all that intent that's going to be coming out of it yep and the easiest people to get to come stay with you are the people that are already familiar with you folks that have stayed with you in the past because people people are going to be apprehensive of a lot of things and unknown is one of those things so if they've had a great experience with you before your chances of getting them to come back to you for their first trip during or post-covid is is a is pretty high. So th- these your internal database you need to be communicating with in to in the right way right now. All right. So looking at when they are most likely to book their next trip, we're still looking at January 2021 as most popular, but again, it's still roughly just under 20%, still the first quarter making up about 45%, but you can just see it's pretty well diverse throughout the year, but again, by not getting in front of these potential consumers now, you're definitely losing out because people are starting to book for sure. What I, what I took from from these two charts here, uh, obviously January being the top in both of them, is that March is second in both of them um, by you know a good margin. Uh, I think you know March is going to be a big month for hotels to see a lot of traffic a lot of bookings coming in um so if you have not started reaching out to databases you should definitely be doing that before march when it comes decision making time yeah so one of the things that that is still unknown right now right we're hearing mixed messages We, we know that that we're at the beginning of the rollout of vaccinations in north america and it's probably going slower than people had hoped but we're really we've got a moving target of when when do we hit that seventy to eighty percent um, vaccination level where we we have quote unquote herd immunity, so that that's a moving target by end of February beginning of March we're going to have a better more clarity on where that's going to fall and so whether our summer's going to happen in June or whether it's going to really begin hard in July we'll know that for sure or we'll have a better idea of that by by March. So this is when people will really the ones that are kind of waiting cautiously to see what happens. March is going to be a critical year and I'd argue maybe even uh, end of February too. So thinking about, you know, we've seen a lot of folks in our um client base have success creating events similar to like a Black Friday Cyber Monday where they do countdowns and like a really good um stream of communication around an event of here's the best deals you're going to get all year it might be worth thinking about doing that yourself for your database and maybe even 
coordinating that with other people, uh, you know, partners in town, but sometime around the end of February, beginning of March. That would be a good date to, to kind of put on your calendar now and start saying, we're going to have a big push event around here. I really think that could help you. Okay, moving on to when people are actually going to travel, or so they say. Not surprising here, it really is late spring, early summer. We're really most popular in June, followed by May, and then April and July. So it's coming. People are coming. Yeah, I think typically if if I'm looking at this chart correctly and my memory is correct, it would be a little more flipped from – uh, spring to summer, um, I would I would expect July to be more <clears throat> more on par with May. Um, so it looks like people are you know ready to ready to book, ready to travel s- sooner than than later this year. That's what was kind of shocking to me, uh, just because you, you always see typically July and August are your peak occupancy months for any tourism based destination. But then the other thing to consider as well is this was done in December or late November, December, the survey. So you're looking at six plus months out, which kind of jives with what a lot of people plan on in terms of vacations anyway. Good point, Pete. All right. Now we're going to look at spending habits and vacationing habits and all those kind of things compared to 2019. So 2021 versus 2019 questions. So our first question is, do you expect your travel budget to increase, decrease, or remain the same as it was in 2019? 50% said, meh, it's going to stay the same. But 28% said they're likely to spend more than in 2019. How about that? And how many said less? 22% said less. Right. Smallest group is willing to spend less, so people are ready to spend on their vacations. And I think right. this is this is the great news. And and I kind of thought about it. The this study is called the Consumer Sentiment Study, and this is the, really the first question talking about what consumers specifically are going to do. And you know, seeing that in in this case, seventy eight percent of people are going to spend the same or more than they have in the past is a really great sign of what people are expecting the future to hold. And this is out of these three questions, this is the only one we really have comparative data for, but we did ask this question in in our very first survey in March about upcoming travel budgets. And back then we were at 60% said that their budgets would be unchanged and 38% said that they would be spending less. So we've gone from 38% saying spending less down to 22% that they would be spending less. So that is really encouraging. I think that that speaks to everybody's employment uncertainty at the time compared to what it is today. Yeah. Yeah. And and also the reality now that we, we have, you know, different bands of consumers, so, some of whom have been, you know, they've lost their livelihood, they're, they're unemployed, they've lost their business that, that, that make up that 20 Two percent, but there's a lot of folks out there uh, that that maintain their income and spent less over the last year, and they they and they have been cooped up, and they want to splurge on something like travel. And so, yeah, there, there's a lot of opportunity 
Um, this is definitely one of the most positive signals, I think, out of the, this data and one that gives me hope for the future, but also comes with, with a little caution, right? Because if everyone knows that the, this tidal wave of demand is going to come, then the competition for those people is going to get really fierce. And so you've got to be ready. So you're ahead of people, the, the competition, trying to trying to communicate with these people before, before your uh, greedy next door neighbor gets their mitts on them. All right. Next up is looking at the frequency of travel. So do you expect to take more, fewer, or the same number of trips that you took in 2019? Again, 44% saying unchanged, but 29% saying that they will likely take more trips. 28% saying they will likely take fewer trips. So more evenly split there on frequency than on dollars spent, which is also interesting. Yeah. And then looking at vacation days, 49% saying they will take the same number of vacation days. I, for one, am falling into the 33% that will likely take more vacation days than they did in 2019, and only 18% taking fewer days. Well, Lord knows a lot of people that have been working have earned those vacation days and deserve that break. Cause I know a lot of people are burned out from the last year. Um, so that, that one doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. But when you put, so if you put all that together, so people are going to be taking more days, they're going to be traveling more frequently and spending mm -hmm. at least the same or more money than mm -hmm. in 2019. Yeah. yeah. So those are definitely all positive signals if everything works out. I'm curious to see how this translates into real data over the next six months. Are, are people going to be traveling to more expensive destinations? Uh, or are they going more to the same destinations for longer? Or, yeah, just to maybe nicer properties, see an uptick? I, I'm I'm very curious to see how this plays out because it's such an unknown right now. Yeah, this doesn't mean you can just jack your, your ADR up, you know, your rates up a little bit. That's not how it how this will work you know you've got to still focus on providing value but what it does mean is we might see shifts in the types of consumer you can appeal to you know if you're a luxury property you might start pulling people up to your your level that, that wouldn't have typically um, thought about you or as a, a destination level that might be the, the case too or so, or can you can you promote um, a longer stay because people are again they're willing to take a few more days of vacation mm -hmm. they're willing to spend a little bit more can can you just keep them around longer that's that's also a possibility so again keep an eye on your data and look at who who your consumer is who's booking with you why they're booking with you talk to the guests that come to the property you, you'll glean insight that you can then push back it can inform your future marketing decisions all right, moving on to number 13. 13, 13, 13. And in spite of its number, this is actually my favorite question of this round of the survey. And it asks, on a scale of zero to five, with zero being no impact and five being dramatically increased, how will the following vaccination scenarios increase your likelihood of booking a vacation within six months? So here are the three scenarios. One, once you have been vaccinated. Scenario two is once all at-risk people have been vaccinated. And scenario three is once at least 80% of the population has been vaccinated. Now, in all three of these categories, the most popular choice was zero. 
no impact. However, and that was at between 30 and 40% to on all three of those categories, meaning that at least 60% said that a vaccine in any of these scenarios would have some positive impact on their likelihood to travel. Also interesting is the number two choice across all three categories was a five. So it was like zero or five. There wasn't a whole lot in the middle. So this one's super interesting to me because it's not at all what I would expect the data to be. And it, it makes me wonder is do people who are going to be traveling care about the vaccine? Because you would think if if universally everyone said, hey, if the vaccine's out there, it should be 90% would say rank it a five. The the fact that you had several, you know, a majority of the people rank it a three or lower is very unusual to me. And I'm not quite sure what to make out of that. And it didn't seem to matter the category. So it doesn't matter to these people, whether it's them, if it's at-risk people, or if it's just like the whole population has been vaccinated. It was the same confidence in all three categories. So one of the things we need to look at, and Melissa and I talked about this earlier today, is we need to look at how this breaks down based on how you answered the question, have you traveled or not? My hypothesis is if you are someone that has already traveled, the vaccine doesn't really matter to you, period. And if you are someone that hasn't traveled, the vaccine matters to you a great deal. So if that if that hypothesis is true, those numbers are going to be massive, right? Because what it means is the folks that are answering five, which was how many, what percent of people answered five on some of those? It was, it was like 20, 30 percent. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you double that number, which you would be if you're, if you're taking half of the people, then you're going to see that that make a much bigger impact on those people. And mm -hmm. that's really the people that we care about right now because we, we've already got 50% of people traveling. It's the other 50% we've got to encourage to travel. So we're going to break that down. And Which is interesting, yeah, because Melissa and I were talking about it at another meeting and I was comparing the people who have not traveled versus question seven, which is assuming cases are dropping, when are you going to be planning your next trip? You know, I want to see that of people who have not traveled yet. You know, are we moving the needle with them at all? Or are they going to be staying on the sideline? So maybe we can pull pull those kind of breakdowns on a lot of questions, like between the people that have and haven't traveled and look at it that dimension and see, see where it leaves us. Yeah, that would be fun. All right, moving on to question 14, which is one we've asked since the beginning. Pick the top three reasons that would prevent you from staying at a hotel right now. Number one. Fear of interaction with other guests. It's been number one since the beginning of time. It's still number one. But it's only 35%, which is encouraging. And number two is nothing is preventing me, which is about 27-ish percent, which is also encouraging. And uh, we've seen that fear of common areas, which was back in the day, very close to fear of interaction with other guests is now at number five at under 25 percent of people so things generally looking up there in terms of fear so to speak yeah but keep in mind 75 percent of people still do have a fear of some kind but they're just shifting a little bit other than the consistent one which is fear of other people which has been number one for quite some time i think maybe consistently the whole time but 
Things like the, the common areas dropping is interesting, and, and we, we have a hypothesis that that might be related to how the media is portrayed and how information has come out about, well, maybe this thing isn't transmitted as much through touch, indirect touch as we thought it was before. So we think that might be playing into there, but people are still scared of other people. You know, that, that's they're going to try to avoid them at all costs. Well, Story I mean, that, that speaks to also fear of circulated air increasing to number three um, was down near number five. So I think that kind of goes with it's pulling away from touch and more, you know, how, what, what's your connection and how close are you and, you know, how are people breathing on you, basically? I guess my biggest concern is 12 percent of the people have a fear of elevators that's preventing them from traveling. And that's bigger a deal than COVID, in my opinion. We need to uh, break down the walls <laughs> on using elevators. Well, my dad is one of them, so I understand. Yeah, that's funny. You know, my, my son is also one of those, Melissa. He, he and Aurora would, would not do well on an elevator together. He freaks out in an elevator. <laughs> yeah, how many times did Aurora take that survey? each other in an elevator. Oh, yeah, it would be... I kind of want to Maybe do it as a social experiment. they meet experience. each other, and then they'll ride elevators together. Maybe. They could be each other's support animal. <laughs> yeah. But they can't fly on United together, then. United band support animal. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if you guys didn't know that. It's my news area. Thanks. <laughs> oh, I did just want to point out that um, it's not surprising, but just putting it out there that obviously those in lower income brackets, budget concerns was definitely a higher concern. <clears throat> it was the number one concern for those under making under 50,000 a year. And that was at 40% of the votes versus 24 in the 50 to a hundred thousand and 12% for the greater than 100. All right. Next up is number 15, which is one of these ones we've asked again from the beginning of time. How likely, how likely are you to book a trip in the next 30, 60, 90 days, six months, or in a year? And, you know, still we are at 31% of respondents saying maybe or higher in the next 30 days, 41% in the next 60, and 60% 60 in the next 90 days. So here is my caveat, one of my two caveats in the survey. We saw a drastic decrease in those responding maybe or higher in the next 30 days as compared to our last survey. And as a matter of fact, it's the lowest response we've had since we first asked this question. But given the fact that this was asked in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I believe it's a more of a seasonality issue, knowing that this is a high beach G destination type database that people just aren't going to travel in the next 30 days because that's not when they typically travel. So that's my caveat. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah, we saw we saw what um, I'm looking at volume nine and in this volume eleven, we see an increase in the next six months. So yeah, that that speaks to seasonality. And then sort of the same thing along the question sixteen: How soon will you be willing to make the following trips? And this is looking at time away from your house: a so one hour drive, two hour drive, three hour drive, six, ten, or flying. Um, again, within one month, all the numbers have dropped, but still the overarching theme is that one to three hour drive market still by far more popular than anything else. So again, just 
you've got to hone in on your drive market. These people are critical to making your business stay open. Just focus on those people. Not saying discount the other ones, but you're more likely to be able to win over those one to three hour consumers. We had a whole podcast about how to target those people. So go check that one out. And and for for the Myrtle Beach audience specifically, that close in drive distance is not in a place that has a requirement to quarantine after travel, which I really think is the biggest hurdle for anyone coming from the Northeast or, you know, area states that are having a 14 day quarantine after traveling. Look at at California as well. Like California is allowing leisure travel within the state. Um, All of our California clients, we've limited our, targeting to people within that state. I mean, it's just, you know, look at your restrictions and and make sure that you're, you're targeting the correct groups, but definitely that that close drive market matters. North to South uh, California is a very large state. It's essentially the the East coast. I mean, we could be, we could have, you know, New Jersey, Northern New Jersey travelers down to Savannah, Georgia and be the same length of drive. Yeah, it's just so important. I mean, you know, Phil, to your point is limiting your marketing to the customers who are able to travel, you know, you know, for someone in South Carolina and North Carolina, Virginia, targeting very aggressively someone in New York who's going to have to quarantine for 14 days after they travel, you're going to see a lower RLAS on that customer because they have a lot of hurdles personally to overcome before they can travel to you. Yep. Pay attention and spend your marketing dollars in the right spot. And if you don't know how to geotarget, we can help you. All right, moving on. Which of the following would most likely persuade you to book a future vacation during the outbreak? Still at the top, no surprises. Flexibility to change my dates without penalty. Just still always has been number one, still number one. Discounts on my stay is number two. And then the good old reassurance that the property is doing extra sanitizing is number three. Hey, you know something cool? What's that? Both of the things that a property can do will cost them zero money. Flexibility, having a worry-free cancellation policy, and reassuring the the guests that the property is doing proper sanitation, which is going to be required by health codes anyway are free. Just make sure you're promoting it and you're positioning yourself, you know, for a world that has COVID and these are the concerns of your current guests. And that is a great segue into question number 18, which is how would the following hotel protocols increase your confidence in staying at a property? And when you go to fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on the link to this beautiful graph, you will see that a quote-unquote deep cleaning between guests is a gangbuster. 65% of people said that that would greatly increase their confidence. And that has been consistent on each time we've asked this. Uh, Quote-unquote leaving the room vacant for 24 hours versus 48 hours, not even close to a deep cleaning, whatever that means to you and whatever that means to the guest, that perception is super positive. And, 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 and investing in Ziploc bags. 
Yes. <laughs> I was gonna say, do you put that as a you know anywhere anywhere you can show it? So uh, on on the room page itself, room deep clean between guests. You put it on the booking engine as they're about to book. You know, room deep clean between guests. I'm saying everywhere you can tell people it's that. It's an amenity. It's an yeah. amenity. It's on the checkout page. It's everywhere. It should be everywhere. And, you know, I think it's important to, to have the conversation, though, the ethical conversation here. Like your priority as a property is to keep your staff and your guests safe. You have to be doing everything you physically can to mitigate the risk of them transmitting or, or catching the disease. So you, you have to be doing that. Right. That, that's sure. that's a prerequisite. However, agreed. They should be. They should have been doing that prior to this. Correct. And if they hadn't been, this is the big kick in the butt of get your cleaning procedures in place and make sure you are actually cleaning between guests. Right. But one, once you've done that, right, and this is where, where I don't want people to misunderstand what we're saying because we're not telling you to manipulate people or mislead people. We're saying that psychology has an impact. There's a reason that our booking engine outperforms travel clicks and outperforms the Nexus's back booking engine. And it's because we have applied psychology tactics throughout the entire booking process to improve conversion rate at every point in the funnel. That's the same with you right now in terms of every consumer that sees an email or reads an ad or reads a post on social. Psychology is the war that you need to win right now. It's persuading people that are on the fence to travel that are a little apprehensive. And if you can use words to, co to, to create a narrative that is going to compel someone to do something they weren't going to do before, because it's in their interest and because they're going to be safe and because it's true, then you should absolutely be doing that. So things like deep cleaning should be prevalent throughout your messaging, 100%. Which then segues to question number 19, which says or asks, I would like to hear from hotels on the following topics. And again, number one is what the property is doing to protect guests. More than 50% said they want to hear that from hotels. Followed by packages and specials for future stays, which was just under 50%, and then how the coronavirus is affecting the local area, which is about 45%. So they want to hear about all the things. And uh, yeah, I thought we've beaten that one up on other episodes, but yeah, just you yeah, need to be communicating a lot with your guests right now about all the things. All right. The next time you travel, which of the following would you want the property to communicate to prior to your stay? Local mask requirements and updated cleaning protocols at the property basically tied for number one. And actually, there's a three-way tie, uh, but I'm leaving this for its own sentence. And that is the open status of local restaurants. All three of these things were over 70% of people said they want to be communicated before they arrive on these things. And a notable change since our last survey was the open status of local attractions and activities. That is now at 64% and that is up from our last survey that was at 58%. Yeah, so everyone people, wants to know what they can and cannot do when they get there. It's it's important. So sixty eight percent. It was number five, right? It was it was low down, but this vast majority of people want to know all the things yet again. So you can't over communicate. Well, I mean, if you take off your vanity hat and say most ninety percent of the time people are not going to a destination to stay at your property, you are the necessary evil because they need some place to sleep while they're doing other stuff on their vacation. 
and the amenities help, everything helps. But most importantly, all the stuff that they want to do is is the reason that they're going to a destination. Yes. And we did add vaccine requirement as another option on this round. And we had 44% of people saying that they would like to know that as well. So stick so that. Is that, a, is that a vaccine requirement for the staff or what is that for? Uh, apparently it's up to the interpretation of the survey. Yeah, it was a little ambiguous. I mean, the intent of it was that you would be required to have proof of a vaccine before you could visit the property. So, yeah. Like, like I know, I know there were hotels in Pennsylvania that had that. They, they, or it wasn't a vaccine necessarily, but they wanted proof of negative test of right. seventy-two hours before you showed up. Things like that. Um, I think that's the idea of the question. Yeah. But the one takeaway of, of this one for me was it's pretty simple to do the top two because we're already asking you to do it. Local mass requirements. I would have to say in most cases it is up to the business, so you can easily write that uh updated cleaning protocols you should be doing that already and open status of local restaurants is the one that i would say you have to put a little effort into to make sure you're communicating that with your guests um all, all of the other stuff should be somewhat readily available the local restaurants is the one that you might have to dig into a little bit to, to provide that info all right yes because people want to know, and it's important. So the very last question that is listed here is another word cloud and asking, complete the following sentence, I will travel when? And again, feel safe, number one word, word, has been, will be, for a long time. Yeah, and that's an individual thing, right? What you feel and how you feel safe is going to be different for different people, so... That's what you've got to understand, and that's why this all this communication is important. Because what triggers me and what triggers someone else is going to be different. But you got to you got to kind of spread spread the information out so that you hit all the bases related to what what matters to different people. There you have it. Good stuff. Well, beep 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 beep. Breaking news. So while you you guys were busy chit chatting, I, I popped open the hood on the. Uh, on the survey system we used and created two more segments. So I created a segment with the uh, people that have traveled and people have not traveled. So we need to do a full, I think we could do a, like a volume 11.5 and just do a complete comparison of every question. It would be kind of interesting, Melissa, but uh, our hypothesis holds very strong. If you look at the question about, you know, on a scale of one to five, how, how much would this impact your decision or likelihood to travel in the next six months? Related to you know vaccinating yourself, uh, vaccinating the the at risk people, and then vaccinating eighty percent of the population, we see tremendously that people that are traveling, you know, it's over fifty percent of people on the, are saying zero on those. And mm -hmm. yet, if if I look at the people that have not traveled, it's less than twenty percent in a lot of those, or just around twenty percent on a lot of those as zeros, and over fifty percent in all cases are. Well, actually, it's more than that. It's over 60% of three, four, or five if they have not traveled yet. So vaccines are going to make a difference to those people that have not traveled yet. An upcoming supplement episode. Now who's the tea, Stuart? Come on. <laughs> in a, in a yet-to-be-published uh, study. <laughs> in an upcoming episode. Yeah. But no, that, that I mean, that's important to note, right? That, that That's when we say that our future as an industry 
depends on the success of the vaccine rollout. That right there reinforces that message. And it, and it tells us that if we want that other 50% of people to travel, we, we have to see this vaccine, these vaccines be successful and we have to support them. We have to be a part of the, the solution, not the problem. There you have it. Cool beans, guys. Well, that's another stellar uh, bunch of data. Hopefully it helps you guys listening. Um, we certainly know it helps us internally. We use this data every day to help inform our clients. If, if you're interested in learning more about fuel and the products and services, you can hop on over to fueltravel.com. There's lots of information there about our award-winning agency services from website development, SEO, pay-per-click, social media, you name it, we do it. And then we also have the software, the booking engine, the mobile app, in the ECRM. So if you're interested in any of that, hop on over to fueltravel.com, send us a note. That'd be great. And if you want to support the show, then we push this out for free. And all we ask in return is that you leave us a nice little review every once in a while. So you can either shoot us a message, info at fueltravel.com, tell us what you think, or go on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice five-star review. We would really appreciate it. And we will read it out on the show. And Pete will do that in the accent of your choice. So there's a little added incentive for you. Cool. So, Melissa, thank you for putting the notes to all the, the actual study together for this, which were the notes for today's show. If they want to find out more about you, where can they find you? They can find me either on Twitter at M.A. Cavanaugh, M-A-K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H, or on LinkedIn at Melissa Cavanaugh. But I have a bonus tip today. Mm. Free just to these listeners of this very podcast. Okay. I'm intrigued. It's Star Wars related. Oh, I'm, I'm more than intrigued. Apparently, back in 1978, there was a Star Wars holiday special on CBS. And <laughs> I highly recommend that every single person stop what they're doing right now, unless you're driving, and go YouTube this. It is on YouTube. And watch the full two-hour version with commercials <laughs> of the 1978 Star Wars holiday special. Because it is the worst, greatest thing to happen to Star Wars ever. Yeah, it is one of my favorite pieces of the Star Wars universe. A lot of people kind of pretend like it didn't ever happen. You have literally a 20-minute segment where there's nothing but Wookiees talking with no subtitles. And you're, meant to, <laughs> and you're meant to infer what they're communicating about. Even to the point where Chewie's dad or granddad, I don't remember which, is watching something on this little screen kind of TV thing that is kind of risque. It's like Wookiee porn. So it's it's just a surreal thing that has B. Arthur singing at one point uh, or multiple times throughout yeah. it's, it's just princess leia sings it's yeah. it's the most amazing thing i've ever seen i i truly had tears coming out of my eyes i was laughing yeah. so hard because yeah. it and was this, that and it's not to be mixed up with the recent release of the lego holiday special that, that disney plus released this year it that that's decent but it's not nearly as crazy bananas bad awesome as the original holiday tell me tell me lego just recreated the bad one because that would be fantastic they definitely had a big wink towards the bad one some of the things they did were definitely um in inside jokes on the bad one but it it was it was equally as trippy but not quite as awful i love lego if you watch the version with all the 1978 commercials, mm -hmm. you will see a commercial for my very first car in its glory <laughs> as it was brand new. What kind and of car was that? It was Honda a Honda Civic. No. <laughs> it was a uh, poop brown Mercury Zephyr station wagon. That was your first car? How old were you when you got a station wagon? 
I would, it would have been 1989 and the car came wow. in 1978. Hey, hey, mine was, was like 20 years old then. Yeah. <laughs> mine was a Mercury Grand Marquis station wagon. So I was a yeah. all oh, luxury. Did you guys select these cars or were they hand-me-downs? Hand-me-down. Okay. Slightly more acceptable. My son's going to get a, a minivan, so he's not happy about it, but that's what he's going to get. Hey, all my all my friends, whose first cars were minivans where, where they go to. Yeah, so. they, can, they can pack them in for sure. Yeah. Cool. That's all my right, bonus. Well, well, stay tuned till next next week's episode when we break down the Star Wars Holiday Special in detail. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. That's amazing. I love it. It's it's, uh, it's it's definitely a sight to behold. Uh, Pete, if they want to learn more about you, where can they do? Oh, uh, they can find me on Twitter at Pete DeMeo or on LinkedIn at Pete DeMeo. And Philip, uh, you can find me on Twitter at P Fariska, P F O R I S K A, or LinkedIn Phil Fariska. And you can find me at Stuart Butler. You can also find us collectively at Fuel Travel. Again, if you want the notes to today's show and all the pretty graphs that go along with this study, go to fueltravel.com slash podcast and click on episode 173. And there'll be a link right there to volume 11, not 7, but volume 11 of this this survey. Melissa, you've just been doing these for so long that you forget what numbers. They're blending together. Is that what it is? Yes, that's what it is. All right. Well, we look forward to 11.5, which will break down the... uh, the people that have traveled from the people that haven't traveled. That should be fun. We don't even have to send out another survey. We can wait a couple of weeks before we do that. So that'll be good. And uh, until next time, you have been listening to the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. You guys want to hear the dad joke of the week? Yes. I found a spider in the kitchen. My wife told me to take the spider out instead of killing him. We went out, had a few drinks. Nice guy. He's a web designer. (laughs) (laughs) True story.